Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do cover the Green Bay Packers and we don't cover anything else. Let's go. Right, hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. It is officially the start of week three. I consider Wednesday the start of the next NFL week. It is two days or three days, depending on how you count the days, since your team has either won or lost. And so it is no longer time to reminisce or cry about the past Sunday, but it is time to move forward and look ahead to, hopefully, better things to come, or if things can't get any better, things to stay the same. So, I am going to, as I always do on Wednesday, break down and preview the Packers at Tampa Bay Buccaneers matchup, and let's jump right in, let's jump right into the storylines. I'm going to start off with the injury reports the injury reports came out for both teams of course today and let's see what we have so David Bakhtiari he did not participate today with obviously his knee um, being a slight issue Randall Cobb he had an illness and did not practice today Elton Jenkins has of course a knee injury he was a limited participant Al Lazard an ankle injury limited participant Mercedes Lewis groin injury limited participant and Sammy Watkins and Christian Watson both had hamstring injuries and were also both limited participants. So, you know, not too much there. Um, For once, the Packers' opponent might actually beat them in terms of terrible injury reports because the Buccaneers are loaded. I'm just going to list names that we care about. Carlton Davis, the Bucs cornerback. He has a hip injury and was a limited participant today. Leonard Fournette, the Bucs running back. Hamstring injury, limited participant. Chris Godwin, hamstring injury, did not participate. Akeem Hicks, foot, did not participate. He is expected to miss Sunday. Julio Jones, knee, did not participate. Potentially going to miss Sunday along with Chris Godwin. Scotty Miller, calf, limited participant. Brashad Perriman, another wide receiver, a knee, and was a limited participant. And Donovan Smith, their tackle, did not participate with an elbow injury. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, there were more names there that I didn't list. They are not looking great on the injury front. They also have their top wide receiver, Mike Evans. He is going to not be playing on Sunday because he decided to go in and WWE Marshawn Lattimore just flipped out at him. And so he was suspended for one game. He appealed the suspension. The suspension was upheld. So he will miss this Sunday's game against the Packers. So the Bucs, they're pretty depleted, especially at the wide receiver position. Again, Chris Godwin may very well not play. Mike Evans will not be playing. Julio Jones may very well not play. And then there are two other wide receivers, their fourth and fifth guys, Brashad Perriman and uh, Russell Gage, were both limited participants. So not not looking too good for the Bucs at the wide receiver position. Akeem Hicks, the Bucks' very good defensive tackle, obviously a former Bear. He did not practice. So, man. I mean, with him being expected to miss Sunday, things are not looking great for the Bucs. So that the Packers seem to be catching them at the right time. Um, 
let's talk about the other storylines. The Packers, they're heading down to Florida where they have not fared well in the past. And they're playing a Buccaneers team that with Tom Brady has beaten the Packers every single time they've played. So not great history there for the Packers. History definitely does not favor the Packers. But the Packers, they're going to look to shake their Florida scaries. That's my nickname for the Packers' Florida issues. Of course, in the week one game against the Saints last year, they had to play in Jacksonville because of the uh, hurricane that devastated New Orleans, and they got blown out in Florida then. So just, just Florida gives me bad vibes. It's not exactly a football place. When you think football, you don't think Florida. You think, you know, cold weather, tough people. You don't think Floridians. But, hey, the Packers can't seem to play in Florida. And uh, Joe Barry, the Packers defensive coordinator, of course, he is looking for a way to stop Tom Brady in a way that Mike Pettin could not, and Joe Barry is facing Tom Brady for the first time since becoming the Packers defensive coordinator. So that's sort of what to look for there, some storylines heading into the game. Overall, this is, uh, again, both teams are injury-laden, but this is going to be a very, very tough matchup for the Packers, and I think it is as likely that they lose this game as it is that they lose any other game on their schedule, aside from maybe the Bills game, because the Packers are matching up against a Bucks team that, while not yet set on their offensive identity, and yes, potentially missing their top three receivers, still has Tom Brady, and this Bucks team has a defense that is probably the best in the NFL right now, and that is a major problem. I mean, it is full of studs from left to right. Levante, David, Devin White, the two best middle linebackers in the league, definitely the best middle linebacker combo in the league. Uh... Their edges are good, their secondary is good, their defensive line's good. I mean, Vita Vea is a big, big problem. So the Packers are going to need an offensive game plan that is significantly improved from the last time they played down in Florida, and that's also improved from the last time they played at all, which was that, of course, NFC Championship game. Let's not talk about that. Um, what has changed for the Packers? Listen, I'm not exactly sure, right? Maybe the Packers don't feel the weight of being the favorite, which they were, I think, in their last two matchups. And maybe they had decided, okay, we're totally going to lean to the run game now. I tend to doubt it. Sunday was great, but I need to see it more often than just in one game. But maybe that's what's changed. I don't know. Something's definitely going to need to change, though. So let's jump right into the keys to the game. I'm going to start with defensive keys. And I feel like defensive keys are more relevant. They're a better place to start to help you understand how I'm going to go with the offensive keys. So my first defensive key, it's stop the run. Okay, the Bucks, I fully expect them to attempt to it first and hopefully not continue with it, but because if they continue with it, it'll mean they'll be successful in this area. But at first, they will attempt to pound the ball down the throats of the Packers defense. And there are two main reasons for them doing this. Uh, number one is that the Bucks. They understand that they are low on receiver talent and even offensive line talent. That was an issue going back to the offseason for them. So running the ball is a great way to help the O-line fire off the ball, and it's a good way to take pressure off of your receivers, right? You're not forcing them to win one-on-one -on -one matchups. Uh, the second reason is that the Packers' run defense has not looked too good this year, right? It's maybe, maybe, maybe looked better than last year, but they got shredded, absolutely gashed against Chicago, and so... I expect the Bucs to try to run the ball at the Packers, and if the Bucs do run the ball, all of their receiver injuries 
will not matter. The Packers will find themselves behind in a matter of time, and you will not enjoy yet another game down in Florida. So, the Packers need to stop the run. How? Well, the first way to do that is to disengage and tackle the running back. And, yeah, I mean, that's that's just an execution issue. And a bunch of the issues that the Packers have had against stopping the run are not being able to execute. I mean, again, they were gashed against Chicago. Minnesota could run the ball well at times. And it was because the Packers couldn't get off their blocks and they couldn't tackle the running backs. And so I think they meaning Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Jerron Reed, Dean Lowry, Devondre Campbell, Koi Walker, even Amos and Savage, they need to perform better. They need to tackle the running back. And that is sort of my first way that they can stop the Bucks run game. I know not really too much to say there. It's just perform better. Now, my second reason is something that they can actually improve without just saying perform better, and that is commit numbers to stopping the run game. Stack the box. Joe Barry, please stick eight guys in the box. Force the Bucks to, when they want to run the ball, run into a crowd of people, a larger crowd than six or so, which is what the Packers usually have. And for those who don't know what I mean by the box, it's sort of an imaginary rectangle around the defensive line and then the linebacker area. And so all the people that you sort of see squished in the in the middle of the field, that is kind of what they mean by the box. And so how do you stack the box? Well, you can do that by putting a third linebacker on the field. You can bring a safety down from the two high shell that defenses are playing, or you can put in a five-man line. But either way, there should and need to be more people in the box, and that is going to discourage the Bucks from running the ball. Yes, it will also help the defense through simple logic, but it is going to discourage the Bucks from running the ball. How will it help the defense? Um, well, more people in the box means more tacklers, and that means you generally have a better chance of having the running back tackled. So, Joe Barry, I know that you like your bland defense. I, I mean, that's really what you've played for two games thus far, but please mix it up a little bit. Be creative like you were in that San Francisco 49ers game and adjust if they start running right through your six-man box and four-man line. And then my second defensive key, be aggressive. Because once you stop the run, you run into another issue, even with the Bucks' depleted receiver talent. And that is that defenses around the league, and Barry's defense is included in this, loves to play a too-high shell. And what that means is you have two deep safeties on your TV. You usually can't see them. Sometimes you can. You have two safeties at the top or yeah, at the top, generally, of your screen, maybe on the right side. And the reason defenses have done this is because elite quarterbacks began picking apart blitzing teams and teams that would bring a bunch of pressure. And so instead of blitzing, where elite quarterbacks were picking them apart, defenses and the Rams really started implementing this, and this is sort of how it became popular, the Rams and other defenses started committing numbers to blanketing their opponent's top weapons in top weapons instead of pressuring the quarterback. So you maybe rush as few as three people, and then you drop the rest of your guys back into coverage. You double team some of the best receivers, and you single coverage the guys that need to be covered. Maybe you put a cornerback on a tight end. And that success really began to emerge. You saw Brandon Staley sort of take over with this system. And last year, a bunch of quarterbacks really had to adjust. Rodgers struggled with this. Mahomes and Allen especially struggled with this new defensive idea. And 
they struggled because, and this is what the success of the system comes down to, is that the quarterbacks, the elite quarterbacks especially, are unwilling to take checkdowns and work methodically down the field. You sort of look for big plays, Mahomes and Allen especially. I mean, they much of their young career was made off of big plays. So they were reluctant to take the checkdowns, and defenses capitalized. But Tom Brady, he isn't as reluctant to take the checkdowns. And, well, Brady's been taking checkdowns for years, right? So the Packers can't just play their two-high shell, a system that Barry does come out of. They can't just do that and expect Brady to sit in the pocket waiting for a deep route to open up and then throw it and get picked off because Brady's not going to do that. No, he's going to take the five to seven-yard checkdown, and he will kill you that way. So... And this, the NFL is a league of adjustments as the league's defensive pendulum swings one way away from blitzes and towards, you know, too high coverages. I am imploring the Packers in this game to go the opposite way. Induce pressure. You don't necessarily have to blitz Brady all the time, but go with a five-man line. And again, this sort of goes into what I was talking about with stopping the running game. Commit numbers to getting pressure because not only will Brady not have time then to survey his reads and find the check down but even if he does have that time the Packers have enough skill in the secondary to not allow anyone to get open you have Jair you have Eric Stokes you have Rasul Douglas you put those guys on their top receivers who will not be the normal top bucks receivers and then you put other guys on the running backs you put Quay Walker on the running back making sure when Brady does take his check down he only gets one yard because Quay Walker's flying to the running back and that is how I think you can stop Tom Brady um the reality is that there are a number of ways to commit numbers to being aggressive uh, the general formula is going to look something like this you have a five-man line with something like from left to right Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, Jerron Reed, Dean Lowry, and Rashawn Gary and then you with that five-man line have each offensive lineman singled up with one of the guys that I just mentioned. So basically you should expect either Kenny Clark or Preston Smith or Rashawn Gary one of those three to win on every down and that is huge. Okay that is so huge and then if you have five men up front well that means, and simple math tells you this, you have six other guys that you can use to cover. Now, maybe you have another two linebackers in the box. You have seven people in the box then. Then you have four other guys in coverage. Okay, how does that work? Well, you stick Jair, Stokes, and Sewell on the three bucks receivers if they have three receivers. You bring Amos down, put him on maybe the tight end. And then you put Quay Walker on the running back and maybe you say hey Devondre Campbell go after Brady let's blitz him there and see how that works listen it is not perfect Brady has been good against the blitz in his career he's been really good but I think the Packers have the secondary depth that they need to help that and you cannot be passive with Brady you have to go at him and you have to trust your secondary to hold up because if you don't he's gonna dink and dunk his way to a pretty easy victory and with that, I'm going to move into the offensive keys. The first key is beat Brady at his own game. Beat Brady at dinking and dunking. And last week was such, such a breath of fresh air, especially after the Minnesota game. Matt LaFleur said that he called probably as many runs as he's ever called as a coach, um, specifically for the Packers, and it worked to perfection. So 
let's do that again, right? In that game, you saw them, even off of the run, they stayed patient, right? They never just spread it out just for the heck of it and, you know, decided to wait for the long developing routes and take the deep shots. No, they stayed with the run, and then they got intermediate games off of that. They waited for the explosive to appear, right? They tried multiple play actions, and it was only in the fourth quarter when you saw them finally get the 50-yard chunk play, but it happened, right? And that is, I think, how you're going to beat the Buccaneers. You are going to dink and dunk your way to success. And yes, yards are going to be a lot harder to come by in this game than they were against the Bears because you're going against probably the top defense in the league in Tampa Bay. So if the run game doesn't work, what do you do? Well, you go to the quick passing game. You go to the screen game. You take the check downs when you need to, and you work down the field as methodically as possible. We saw that they're capable of doing that even in the game as bad as the Vikings game. So run the ball, stay with your beautifully designed quick game. LaFleur is so good at that, and wear out the Bucks that way. That is the key. And then the second offensive key is to stay patient. And this point directly relates to the first one, but the Packers, they may very well fall behind in this game by more than one score, right? Because all it takes is the Bucks getting the ball first, the Bucks scoring, the Packers punting, and then the Bucks scoring again, right? Right there, you might be down as many as 14 points. But regardless, the Packers need to stick to their game plan from not last night, but last Sunday, right? They work down the field methodically, and that's what they're going to need to do even when behind two points. It has worked so well in the past, but... The past has also shown that as soon as they get behind, they get nervous, they spread things out, and that doesn't work. That needs to be erased because 2022 Aaron Rodgers is not 2011 Aaron Rodgers. In fact, he's actually, 2022 Aaron Rodgers, is 11 years older than 2011 Aaron Rodgers. So the Packers cannot expect the same West Coast offense, pick your matchup and go strategy to work. Now, if they revert to that strategy this game could go terribly sideways so sunday was great but i need to see them stick with their game plan when they're not always up by a score or two and they're not playing the chicago bears if they do that i think they have a fine chance in this game so in tampa you got to stay patient you got to stick with what's working you got to work your way down the field even if it doesn't mean you're going to be able to tie up the game or go ahead on that drive okay and that is what I think the Packers need to do on both sides of the ball to win this football game. It is going to be a very, very tough game. There's no question. And so I'll move into my last segment, my players to watch. Yes, number one, Aaron Charles Rodgers. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever put Aaron Rodgers on this list, and it's because it's such an obvious person to watch, right? Whenever anyone, I mean anyone, watches a football game, their eyes are drawn to the quarterback because they are the the person with the with the ball right they are they are the guys who maybe it's not for a lot of time but they're the guys who are always at the center of attention and i really think that in spite of all of that rogers's play is going to be extra important in this game because he how he plays is going to indicate how the Packers offense is doing. If Rodgers plays on time and in rhythm and is consistently getting the ball out of his hands, great. The Packers offense is probably doing well, and I think they have a good chance in this game. But if he's holding the ball, he's waiting for something to open up down field, some stupid post route to Christian Watson that takes five seconds to develop, well, then he's going to get jittery in the pocket and good luck. At that point, the game 
might be a blowout because that has never worked recently and it's not going to work. So watch Rodgers. Watch, watch how he does after the snap. Watch if it's a you know two-second time to throw. Snaps the ball quick, gets it out of his hand, and then you're gaining 10 yards. Snaps the ball quick, hands it off, and then you're gaining five yards. You know, is that what's happening, or is it snap the ball, stand, 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 pressure, roll out, throw it away? Stand, 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 pressure, sack. Stand, 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 deep ball, incomplete. Watch that. That's what I'm going to be looking for. And then my second player to watch is Kenny Clark, right? Unlike... Aaron Rodgers, your eyes are not drawn to Kenny Clark. He plays in the middle of your screen. He's hidden well by other guys. But Kenny Clark is going to have the biggest defensive impact on this game, I think. If he comes out and performs the Packers well, the Packers defense could be really good. Why? Because good Kenny means that he can disengage from blocks. He's going to tackle the running back. And that is really going to help slow the run game and force the Bucs to pass. And then in the pass game, Good Kenny can also wreak havoc on the offensive line through the pass game. If you have him in a five-man line where he's one-on-one, good luck. I mean, you basically can't stop him. That I'm, that's, that's a death sentence for Tom Brady. And then even if he is double-teamed somehow, he might wreck you, or he will definitely open up a window for Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith to wreak havoc. So the Buccaneers, they're going to need to have a plan for Kenny. I don't think their plan is going to work too well. I think Kenny's going to go off and have a good game and they're going to be lucky to stop him. But those are my two players to watch, and that is what I have for you on this game. Listen, it is not going to be an easy game. Do not be surprised if the Packers lose this one and start out the season 1-2. and two. It would be disappointing, right? It, you never want to start out a season through three games with a losing record, but it's not out of the picture. Just know it isn't the end of the world, right? The Packers are a very good team, it's, it's a tough game. It's a very tough game. But we'll see what happens. You know, I'm going to be sitting on my couch rooting for them. So we'll see if they can pull out a victory. But as always, thank you very much for listening to Dedicated Packers. And until Sunday, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!